Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode number 26, Daniel 70 Weeks, Part 1. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Hello and welcome to Bible Mysteries. I'm Scott Mitchell and I'm here with... Zena. And we are going to talk about the things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. How are you, Zena? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking and we're so happy that you're here. I appreciate you coming to record. We're on a different day than we normally record. We are. Yeah, so we're trying to catch up on some things and we're going to dive into... Are you ready for your math lesson today? Yes and no. <laughs> Nobody's ready for a math lesson. No. Yeah. Well, actually, I kid around a lot. We were um, doing some pre, pre-show pre prep a moment ago and today we're going to talk about Daniel's 70 weeks. So there's a number involved, 70. Yes. And we're going to discuss that. But really, this 70-week prophecy comes from the book of Daniel, and it's probably one of the central mysteries in the Bible that a lot of Christians don't quite get. Why do you think that is? Number one, I think it's because churches generally don't spend time teaching it. You know, a lot of churches sort of have the attitude that that's Old Testament, we're past that. Not realizing that, right, it's a prophet who prophesied of something that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So it's still yet to come. You know? Okay. And the other thing, the reason I think it's not probably known is that it, it's a little bit deeper than you normally go into. You know, maybe not quite as exciting as talking about giants in Genesis, right? Right? which they really don't talk about that much anyway. No, either. Not. So, uh, so that's kind of one of the reasons why we exist to, as a podcast is to talk about the mysteries that the churches aren't even talking about. So you're saying that in Daniel, it's more foreshadowing the future. That's right. And to be honest, the way I look at Daniel is it goes sort of hand in hand with the book of Revelation. Okay. So the last book of the Bible that talks about the end times and everything that's going to happen is truly foreshadowed, just like you said, in the book of Daniel. Okay. It's like Daniel lays the groundwork and then Revelation that John wrote fills in all the gaps, all the blanks. Okay, that it makes sense. Puts the details to the to the story. So we're going to start in the book of Daniel, verse 29, and we're going to go back and read more of this, but we're going to use this as just like a starting point because there's more to it than this. But the verse 24 says... Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people, and Daniel's people are Israel. And if it helps to know, some of our listeners may not know, Daniel was a prophet of God. He was one of the captives that was carried away from Israel by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Very true. So he was in Babylon in captivity, but God looked after him because he was a righteous man. You know, he did the right things. And so this 
prophecy is, we're going to get the details in a minute, but an angel is speaking here to Daniel when he says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city, Jerusalem, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, which remember is another word for sin, and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. So that's a lot of things that are going to be accomplished yes. in 70 weeks. Okay. So the key to understanding the mystery, and like I said, it's one of the greatest mysteries in the Bible because it gives us an understanding of God's entire prophetic timeline. This mystery actually lays out a prophecy of completion of all these things, which is almost like the central focus of the Bible is to fulfill all these things, which culminates in Jesus Christ returning to reign on the earth and Israel becoming a people again, God's people. Mm -hmm. So we have to start with the weeks because we're going to find out that a week is not seven days. A week in this instance is going to end up being seven years. It's a very long week. That's right. It's a long week. <laughs> so it, what we, we adopted the word week to be seven days. Mm -hmm. But this prophecy is going to use the word week to represent seven, period. It could be seven somethings. You okay. know, a week of apples, seven apples. You know, it doesn't mean you have to eat one a day. <laughs> but if you do, I think the doctor stays away. I was going to say, I've heard that before. <laughs> so, but actually we're going to apply it to time and they're going to apply it as if it were a week of months, a week of years. And in this case, it's going to be a week of years. Okay. But to get that understanding, we're going to back up and we're going to look at the context of how is it that this angel came to even speak to Daniel in the first place and why is he doing it? And why Daniel? And why question. Daniel? And actually, that's a great question, because we're about to find out why Daniel is chosen to be the one. And so, as I mentioned a moment ago, to give you a little bit of the backstory, Israel, time and again, time and again, had turned against the Lord. Yes. He sent prophet after prophet to correct them. They would, he would punish them, they would correct it, then they'd go right back. So it was just like, you know, a child, a stubborn child. You yes. Know, won't stop, you know, playing with matches <laughs> or whatever. So Israel, God had had enough, and he said, okay, I've tried to correct you. You won't be corrected, so now I'm going to discipline you. And he brought or allowed King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon to come in and conquered the nation, destroyed the temple, mm -hmm. carried them all captives. So Daniel is a captive in the land, and actually after Nebuchadnezzar did all this, that empire, the Babylonian empire, eventually fell to another empire, which was the Persian Empire. Mm -hmm. And so there was a king that rose up in the Persian Empire, and his name is Darius. Okay, I have never heard of him. Yeah, Darius. So he's one of those kings of history. And, you know, sometimes kings went by other names. Okay. But in the Bible, he was known as Darius. So it would have been his historical name that the Hebrews recognized. But in history, he might have been known as like Xerxes or... Artaxerxes or something else. What a name. Equally hard to pronounce, yeah. <laughs> you know. So uh, in this case, it says in verse 1 of this chapter 9, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, there's a name to pronounce. I know. Of the seed of the Medes, which was the people that brought forth the Persians, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, which was the Babylonian empire, so he conquered them. Okay, in the first year of his, of his reign, I, Daniel, he's writing, 
understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, another prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So now 70 becomes a number. Right off the bat in the first two verses, we get the, the number 70. Now here he's saying 70 years. And what that literally means is that from the day that Nebuchadnezzar came in to conquer Israel and carried them captives, Israel would be in bondage and captivity from other nations for 70 years out of their land before they returned. And they did return. And there's two books in the Bible that sort of chronicle the return and the rebuilding of the city and the mm -hmm. rebuilding of the temple. It's the book of Nehemiah and the book of Ezra. And they sort of talk about the specifics of how they brought all the stuff for the temple. And they, the people had a trowel in one hand to lay bricks and a sword in the other to fight off enemies. Yeah. You know? It was crazy. It was a crazy time. I really like those names. Uh, Nehemiah and Ezra? Yeah. yeah. Well, and it, it tells you something about names. Like, unlike mine and yours, and mine is plain, it's Scott, which means somebody from Scotland. Yours is cool, Zena, because that's the warrior princess, right? But a lot of people's names from antiquity come from the Bible. You know, really? So even if you think about a, a Jimmy is James. James is in the Bible. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Obviously, John is John in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you know, you might know guys named Jacob. Yes. Or Joseph. Mm -hmm. A lot of J's, huh? I know a lot of J's, actually. <laughs> or Paul or Peter. Mm -hmm. And of course, we know a lot of these people that have names like that. And women, too. You know, there's uh, most people weren't named necessarily after prophets, except maybe Daniel. That's a pretty common name. Like Daniela. Oh, and a girl, Daniela, right? Mm -hmm. Or even Joel was a name, and a guy, Joel or Joe, which Joe is really short for Joseph, but Joel is its own name, and then sometimes Jolene. Not as often yeah. in women, you know, but it's used. And then let's see that Sarah is a Bible name. Really? Yeah. Lydia is a Bible name. Um, what, who else? Rebecca is a Bible name. I did not know this. Leah is a Bible name. Yeah. <laughs> so there's quite a few of them. Quite a few of them. Wowzers. And then you got some interesting names like Aquila and Priscilla. You know? I know a Priscilla, but I've never met a, a, an Aquila. Aquila. <laughs> Aquila is such a cool name. It's a Latin word for eagle. So you'd think there'd be more guys named Aquila. Yeah. Right? But no. But they were a married couple that actually ministered with Paul. Right? That is so awesome. Yeah. And then there's Damaris. That's a female name from the Bible. And Tabitha, which is a female name in the really? Bible. Really? Yeah. Tabitha? Yeah. And then some don't sound as appealing, like Dorcas is no. a woman's name in the Bible, but that kind of sounds like the word dork. Yes. <laughs> which is not that appealing of no, a name. Not one or we, we talked about the guy's name Nimrod. Nobody's named yes. Nimrod. Yes. That would be like naming your son Adolf. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> you know, it's almost like that, it's got such a negative yeah. connotation. <laughs> not a big idea. So anyway, as cool as those names are, Ezra, right, and Nehemiah, uh, they were individuals that were cataloging the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. And so here's Daniel in captivity. He's been in captivity some time now, uh, enough time to where Nebuchadnezzar is now gone. His son is gone. Babylon fell to Persia. And now there's a Persian king named Darius. He's and been there for a good minute. He's good there for a, a little while there. We're not sure how many years, but he came to understand that this captivity was going to last 70 years. He may have died before it ended, but it, he was given to read and to understand the book of Jeremiah that it was going to be 70 years. Okay. So once he realized that, 
he began to realize, okay, this is happening because we disobeyed God. We're 70 years in punishment because we did wrong. And he begins to pray and confess the sins of Israel. And so when he makes his confession, and we won't read every word of the prayer, but that's what made God say, okay, now go talk to him. When he did that, it sort of opened the door for the angel to come and say, okay, it's because you prayed, we're coming to give you an answer. That's wonderful. And interestingly enough, it's a picture of a much bigger and longer period of time. And so we're going to find out why the 70 years is going to equate later to something that's going to last 70 weeks, which you'd think was a shorter amount of time, but it's even longer. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that's where the math comes in. Right? Okay. Okay. So 70 equals 7 times 10. Yes. And numbers in the Bible have significance. You know, one represents God, unity. Two represents division. Three, perfection, like the Trinity. You know, God, Father, God, the Son, God, the Spirit, Holy Spirit. So there's significance to numbers. Four represents the earth and creation, you know. Well, seven represents spiritual perfection. And 10 represents completion. So 70 times, seven times 10 would be the completing of spiritual perfection if that makes sense. Yes and no. I okay. thought seven was the number of completion. I think I've used it that way because it does sort of complete a week. Okay. Like if we think seven days in a week and you start a new week. Mm -hmm. And eight incidentally represents new beginnings. Yes. So seven does sort of represent completion. And then, for example, seven colors of the rainbow, right? Yeah. A full spectrum seven notes in a scale of music. Mm -hmm. And then the eighth note is the repeat of the first. Yes. An octave higher, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're right. There's completion to that. But from a spiritual perspective in the Bible, it represents perfection. And that's why like seven years of tribulation are going to complete the full thing. And afterwards, Israel will be perfected again. If okay. That makes sense. That makes so, sense. So there's a completing and at the same time, there is a perfecting, if you will. Okay. Almost a cleansing. It's almost like a purging. Like okay. to purge something would be like, um, you know, if you took uh, gold ore and you mined it out of the earth, you want the gold, but there's some impurities in there. Mm -hmm. There could be dirt or iron or other rocks or something, minerals that don't make for a good ring. So true. Right? <laughs> so you melt it down. You mm -hmm. heat it up hot enough to where the stuff that's impurity, not actual gold, is lighter than the gold. So it will float to the top in a liquid form, and you skim it off. It's called dross. That's what they used to call it. You know, okay. Or slag in metal, if you were doing like iron. And when they skim it off, that's a waste product, or they'll use it for something else, not jewelry. <laughs> and what's supposed to be left is pure. And when you do it enough, if you've ever seen like a U.S. minted gold coin, it would actually say 99.999% pure. Because you can't get it so perfectly pure. Very right? true. So that, says, that means they've really melted it down and cleaned it and purged it a bunch of times. Okay. So God is actually going to purge Israel. He's going to cleanse them. If you Good. Will. Yeah, exactly. They need it. Yeah. <laughs> and that will complete his punishment, as it were. Okay. So while 70 years are going to be used to complete something, we're going to, again, we're going to see it's a spiritual picture of something else because so much in the Bible is a type 
of something else. Okay. Okay. So good questions. I really love them. I really do. <laughs> so once again, it says 70 years are determined upon thy people. And it was to do several things, to finish the transgression. And Israel's, the transgression must have been among all their many sins. There must have been one that was significant. Do you know which one it is? We do from, it was, it didn't actually occur back then, but it occurred when they rejected the king, Messiah. Okay. They crucified him. That was the transgression. It was like the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, yeah. so to speak. Okay. okay. To bring in everlasting righteousness until he comes back and restores them as a people, there can't be righteousness. Mm -hmm. So when he does... It's going to be the time in which he's saying, okay, they've paid for the crime enough. It's time to let them have forgiveness. Okay. Not individuals, but as the nation. Because remember, individual forgiveness today is available to anybody, anywhere, right now. Johnny on the spot, accept Jesus as your Savior as the Christ, and your sins are forgiven. But Israel as a nation is under a different program because God looks at them distinct from the rest of the Gentile world. Okay. Now, if we talk about an individual Jewish person who may not even live in Israel, they are dealt with as an individual just like you and I would be. Right? But the national program has been set aside for now, and that's what we're going to see why. That's all this whole thing about Daniel's 70 weeks pertains to that. Okay. So there's several things that need to be accomplished. In 70 weeks, God was going to complete the judgment of Israel at Daniel's time and perfect them in righteousness, but it, it didn't really happen. It was a picture of what would take place ultimately in 70, excuse me, in 70 weeks it will happen. In the 70 years it didn't. It was a picture of what would happen. Okay. okay. So when Daniel came to understand 70 years by the book of Jeremiah, what he didn't know was that 70 years would be 70 weeks. And that's why the angel appears to tell him. He's about to find out the rest of the story, okay? Now, but to, there's still some background to this. So when he realized it was going to be 70 years that Israel would be in captivity, he began to pray. In verse 3, he says, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications. The word supplication means like begging, like humble. When a dog goes, looks at you while you're eating with those eyes. I know. That's a supplication. <laughs> And he says, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And fasting, you know, is like not eating food. And in his case, for a reason, to show his, his sorrow. So show his penance, if you will. Okay. And then sackcloth and ashes was something that you wore that was an indication of that penance, you know. And that's why when some people, that they perform something called Ash Wednesday, which we just yes. had. Would they smudge that? That's sort of like a symbolic gesture of this. Okay. Okay. Even though it's that's hardly a sacrifice to put a little smudge on your forehead, <laughs> but it's just supposed to be a type of it. You know? Okay. So he says, and I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love Him, and to them that keep His commandments, we have sinned, and have committed iniquity, and have done wickedly, and have rebelled, even by departing from Thy precepts, His laws. And from thy judgments. So Daniel is making a confession here. And not just for himself. He was a good guy. But he was realizing, I'm in with the whole nation. So he's praying for his nation. 
He said, we have sinned. Yeah, we did this. That's so sweet of him. Very. I mean, really, he wouldn't have even known to do it if he hadn't been praying and searching the scriptures to realize why was this happening? You know, the next thing you know, he's in that captivity. I know. And he's honoring God through the whole time, but he doesn't necessarily understand why did this happen to us? And then he comes to understand why, because we did wrong. So the moment he realizes they did wrong, he began to make a confession. And it is a picture of what Israel is going to do nationally someday. At some point in the future, they're going to recognize and realize that their sin got them in this predicament. Where even though there's a, there's a nation today that calls itself Israel, they may not necessarily be the Israel that's going to be this Israel in the future. Yeah. You know, I don't know who they are. I'm not saying yay or nay about them. They may well be the people of God that will be restored. Mm-hmm. But somewhere, somehow, there's going to be a people that are going to confess and they're going to acknowledge that. Now, why do they have to do this? Well, God actually divorced Israel. She was sort of like a wife to God. Mm-hmm. He, he called her uh, his beloved and his betrothed. And when she did wrong, she was likened unto a harlot, who like adulterous woman, like who cheated on her husband. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she did this a lot. <laughs> because Israel, they were, uh, they were following false gods, correct? That's so, right. Okay. Every time they were involved in idolatry, false gods, mm-hmm. they were being uh, unfaithful to the Lord. Yes. So hence the marriage was violated if that makes sense, in a spiritual Mm -hmm. way. They weren't literally God's wife, but spiritually (laughs) there's the connection there. Mm -hmm. So Hosea is another prophet, and he wrote a book as well. And in his book, he represents God in type. And he marries a woman who, incidentally, we talk about women's names in the Bible. Her name was Gomer. Oh, my land, because that sounds like a dog's name. Or or a marine. You know, it used to be Gomer Pyle. (laughs) But her name is Gomer, and she represents Israel in adultery. And they have three children, and each one was given a name that's sort of a picture of Israel's falling from grace. My land. Because of her idolatry, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. But we'll go to chapter 3 of Hosea to read a specific passage, starting in verse 4. And we find... For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king and without a prince and without a sacrifice and without an image and without an ephod and without teraphim. We can talk about those things later. Afterward, many days, afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. So that's a prophecy that kind of ties in. It helps us understand that what Daniel's dealing with is going to be 70 years. In a few minutes, we're going to find out how it equates to 70 weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, And in this instance, it's Hosea giving a little bit of insight that it's going to be many days. Many days. If we did quick math, and if we decided that 70 weeks was a week of whatever. A week is seven. Mm-hmm. So 70 times seven would be 490, okay? If that ended up being a week of years, it would be 490 years. But we're going to find out that that clock would have started after another Persian king made a decree. And we're going to read about him. His name was Cyrus. Now, what is a decree? A decree is like he issued an order that became a law. Okay. Okay. So a president of the United States would issue it and it would be called like an executive order. 
Okay. But when a king did it, it was a decree. So we know when the clock was supposed to start, when that decree was made. We can go back in history, even secular history, and see when this announcement was made. But if we added the time, it's been way longer than 490 years since that decree was made. Mm -hmm. That decree was literally made in 450 B.C., before Christ was even born. My goodness. 450 years before Jesus was born. So here we are, 2021. It's been 2,000 years more than that time period, mm -hmm. right? So how is that going to equate? And that's when we're going to... A lot of people misread it because they don't understand there was an interruption in the clock. And the last week of the 70 weeks got put on hold. And there was a 2,000-year gap. It's a long time. It's a long time. So we're going to talk about that gap when we get to it. So the many days is a lot of days. It could involve the 490 years and the 2,000 years. My goodness. Okay, so the children of Israel are going to abide many days without a king, which is Jesus. Okay. Without a prince, which, believe it or not, is Michael, the archangel. He's the prince of Israel. Really? Yeah, yeah. And then other things are involved in here. So it's talking about the fact that they would be essentially out of God's protection, out of his vision, out of his sight. Okay. And then if you come down to chapter 5 of Hosea, and we'll notice in verse 15, we read, I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. So I will go is the Lord speaking. In the, in the form of Hosea, in the type. And in reality, it's Jesus Christ who was rejected. They said, we don't want this man to reign over us. They crucified him, and he rose up and ascended to the Father. Mm -hmm. So that's his place. Where did he come from? He came from the Father. So he returned to the side of God the Father. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm going to go there and, until they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. They is plural. So it's the nation. Okay, And he says, in their affliction, they will seek me early. And affliction is like persecution and whatever. So there's going to be a time when Israel is going to be acknowledged as God's people again, and they're going to be persecuted for it. And that's when they're going to turn and make their confession to God. So he's waiting for that. Now, is there any significance as to why Hosea is spelled with an H and not a J? That's a good point. Yeah, because you would think like Hosea, Jose, mm -hmm. right? And uh, it's... I think it's just a choice for the spelling, okay. you know, uh, but it also could be like Jesus is the word Jesus, right? It's spelled mm -hmm. with a J, but Spanish pronounces the J as an H. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed, but to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. 
Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. Or it's whatever they call it, silent, like a jalapeno, you know, Mm -hmm. right? It's a J, but it's got that H sound. Hosea may be a different letter than a J in Hebrew, and that could be one reason why. But it it also could just be a type that they chose to use. But I would think not because so many J's, um, you know, so many names that start with a J, like James, Jacob, Joseph, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in the Hebrew, they say it's got a Y sound. So Jacob would be Jacob. Oh. Yamis is James. Okay. Right. Jesus is Jesus, which is the same name, by the way, as Joshua. Joshua is Jesus. It's the really? same name. One is Hebrew, the other is Greek, or transliterations of those languages into English, if that makes sense. That is so interesting. <clears throat> Comment down below, guys, if you knew that. <laughs> Great idea. Great idea. <laughs> so God essentially is returned to his place waiting for his people to make a confession. And here we see Daniel making a confession. He's a picture of this. He's a picture of when it's going to actually happen, right? Even though he's a real man making a confession. Mm-hmm. And so there's a passage of Scripture in the New Testament that I, a lot of people have heard. Even non-Christians have probably heard this at some point in time. And I'm going to read it just for the context. It's 1 John 1.9. Uh, a lot of people will know it right off the bat, but it's if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And a lot of people apply that today as a daily prayer to ask God to forgive you for your sins. Yes. That you're going to confess your sins every day and God forgives you if you confess them. That's really truthfully taken that verse out of context, even though the sentiment is good. Like, I think it's a great idea to acknowledge and confess anything you did wrong and bring it to the Lord in prayer. That's a great thing to do. But asking God to give you something that you already have doesn't make sense. If he says, I've forgiven you all trespasses, that includes the one you'll do tomorrow. So if you're confessing them because you do them tomorrow, asking for forgiveness, it's like you're not believing God when he said he already did forgive you. Okay. So this passage can't mean a daily confession of sins for every believer What if we put it in the context of what we just discussed? It's Israel's confession. John was a Jew, and he's talking about the national salvation program here. When he says, if we confess our sins, he's not talking about Gentiles. He's talking about the nation, Israel. So not many Christians get that. They all think, oh, I got to go confess my sins every day, you know? Yeah, I was under the same <laughs> assumption that you do have to right. confess your sins every day. And, and I'm not against you making confession that makes you feel like you're cleansing your thoughts mm-hmm. and your heart, you know, that's fine. But I would never ask God to forgive me when I know he said he already has. Okay. So that's what I mean. So that that's where I draw the line or the distinction between the two. Mm-hmm. I would say if I'm going to make a confession, it's, God, I'm sorry, I messed up, I did wrong. 
but thank you for having forgiven me all trespasses. Okay. Instead of, I hope you'll forgive this one today. It was a really bad one, Lord, you know, <laughs> instead of that attitude. Because then you're always in doubt, do I have forgiveness? Mm-hmm. See, and that's when that, what that verse was intended to show. Okay. Because Israel has a future forgiveness, and that's what John is talking about here. Okay. Okay, so it's a Jewish passage. He also even says in chapter 2, if we scroll down to verse 18, little children, it is the last time. And as you've heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. So for a context of the book of 1 John, he's writing to those that are going to be in that last time. It's a future passage. Mm -hmm. So that confession is a future confession. It's the one in Hosea. Okay. It's the one Hosea was talking about Mm -hmm. until they acknowledge their offense. John addresses the little children of Israel that will go through tribulation and the time of the Antichrist. So he's saying, if we say we have no sin, we're not making the confession. And the Lord's not going to acknowledge us until we do. Okay. Right? So as it turns out, that tribulation and time of Antichrist is a time period of, now we're back to seven, seven years. And those seven years are the final week of the prophecy of Daniel. We're going to find out that of the 70 weeks, 69 have transpired and one was put on hold. And that's the week God is waiting for. Okay. He's waiting for them to make the confession so the clock can start again. Okay. Because the clock stopped at a certain point in time, and we're going to go into that at some point. Okay? Israel, please make your confession already. Don't you? I mean, don't you wish? It's like, Just come on, guys, please. We're so ready to go, and we're so ready to get this show on the road, so to speak. <laughs> and we make it for them. I'm telling you. So Daniel chapter 9, again, we go back. So we've read so far that he's making the confession, and he begins to make a confession of what they did wrong. And he, it's a long list. Verse 6, Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants the prophets which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. So we talked about all those prophets that God would send to Israel to get them to correct their ways, mm-hmm. and they would kill them. They would stone one. You know, they, they sawed one guy in half inside a log. They did horrible things to the prophets, I know. Oh, my goodness. And these were all men of God that were sent by God to get them to straighten out rather than carry them captives. And they wouldn't listen, so they ended up in captivity, which is where Daniel is right now. He says, O Lord, verse 7, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces as at this day. And that confusion of faces is a term of we're ashamed. We're ashamed at what we've done, you know. To the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. So he's sort of acknowledging We're in this state of captivity spread out among the the countries of the world outside of our homeland because of what we did. Yeah. Uh, He says, O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we've sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed, broken thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore, the curse is poured upon us, this curse of being in captivity. Yeah. 
and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we've sinned against him. Moses, many centuries before this happened, warned them, you're going to screw up and God's going to punish you. And long before it came to pass, they were like, ah, we'll be great. We'll be fine. <laughs> you know, famous last words. Yeah, just laughing. <clears throat> and he hath confirmed his words, which he spake against us and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. And he's referring to the book of Deuteronomy. There's an entire chapter of Israel. If you'll just obey, God's going to bless you with this, 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 and this. But if you don't, and if you worship other gods, and the rest of the chapter is like three times longer of curses that God would pour upon them if they disobeyed. And every one of them got fulfilled. Oh, my latest. Because Israel rejected God. Yeah. So he says, uh, as it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. So they would never confess and pray and say, Lord, we messed up. They wouldn't do it. They were like, ah, we're fine, we're fine. Right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> all it takes is for them to swallow their pride, and they can't do that. That's right. So I mentioned the book of Deuteronomy, which is part of the law of Moses. Mm -hmm. That's where we find the curses. We won't take the time to read them all because <laughs> it's like 50 verses. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's crazy long. But I'm going to just refer to it quickly just to let people see some idea. So the book of Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible, and it contains all of these curses in chapter 28. So we'll start in verse 15 and just read a little bit. He says, But it shall come to pass that if thou, the nation, will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and all his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. And the list begins in verse 16 and goes all the way to verse 68. Whoa. <laughs> a lot of curses. You'll be cursed in the city, in the field, in everything, in your body, in the fruit of the land, uh, everything. And I'll send vexation and on and on. And then, then it goes on to talk about the enemies would come and take all your crops. And, and then you still you won't return. Then I'll send more. And it oh just goes goodness. on and on and on and on. So take the time to read that whenever you get a chance if you're listening. And look at how all this came to pass in Israel. It's, it's astounding. The curses fell upon Israel, culminating in their present condition of being carried captive and scattered into all the nations of the world, where Daniel finds himself going, oh, this is what's happening. Yeah. This is the fulfillment. And Jeremiah told me how long it's going to be, and he started making the prayer, right? Good for you, Daniel. Good for Daniel. So he's a picture, literally, of Israel who finally wakes up, comes to her senses, and makes her confession. Okay. That's what Daniel is doing there. And in verse 64 of Deuteronomy 28, we read this. And the Lord shall scatter thee among all people from the one end of the earth, even unto the other. And there thou shalt serve other gods, which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone, meaning idols. Okay. So that's where they find themselves as Daniel makes the confession. All right. Now, all of this, like I mentioned earlier, there was a divorce that took place. Yes. So the book of Hosea, that prophet we were reading from earlier, is literally like the bill of divorce. That letter was God's divorce decree to Israel. And we see that if we go back to chapter 1 of Hosea, and we read in verse 9, 
Then said God, call his name, and he's referring to the third child that the two had together, Hosea and Gomer, right? What a name. The woman of harlots that represents Israel in a rebellion to God, mm-hmm. right? He says, uh, and when she conceived and bare a son, then said God, call his name, Lo am I. That's the name of the son. For ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. And that's the name of the child. His name means not my son. Lo am I, not my son. Oh, my goodness. So it was sort of like the finality that he had a sister and a brother before him. They were uh, Jezreel and Lo Ruhama. Okay. <laughs> and, and each one sort of meant something significant. First, I'm going to take the kingdom. Then you're not going to have mercy. Then you're not going to be my people. So that's what their names literally meant, and it sort of followed in, tra- in, you know, in, in order. My goodness. But then verse 10, right after he said, you're not my people, gives them the little bit of hope. Because it says, yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, ye are the sons of the living God. So that's the hope. Okay. Right? So it's there's light at the end of the tunnel for mm-hmm. Israel. So what then is God waiting for in order to call them his people again? For them to confess. You got it. Sin. The yeah. confession. So Daniel represents the time of their confession. Okay? okay. Now, so incidentally, what's funny to think about is that Peter, one of the 12 apostles, was preaching in Israel to Jews only, trying to reach them with this message. Repent, confess, come back to the Lord. And if you will, even though the nation as a whole is rejecting Jesus, if you make the confession right now, you can join those who will be God's people. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a club. Let's take out of apostate Israel, the true Israel. And they were called a priesthood, interestingly enough a spiritual priesthood because only Levites served under the Moses law of the priest, you know, Mm -hmm. that one tribe, Levi. Okay, another name, right? (laughs) We get blue jeans from them. We do. (laughs) Now, why do you think Israel is taking so long to confess their sins? That's a great question. And it has to do with part of this prophecy. Okay. Okay. So we live in this time, and I mentioned it. We're going to go into more detail in the next episode. But I mentioned this gap of nearly 2,000 years. Now, that amount of time has not been prophesied, except for one possible verse that might be pointing to it. And if we're wrong about the verse, it doesn't mean the Bible's untrue. It just means we don't understand that verse. Okay. And we'll get to that verse. But if we're right about it, then it's going to tie back into another passage you and I have talked about before, which is a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. Yes. And a thousand years as a day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there's a message, uh, there's a reference to two days in the Bible. Okay. And what if it's 2,000 years? And it's been 2,000 years since Jesus was crucified. Mm-hmm. So we might be close to the end of the second day which would mean the 70th week is about to start. Which means Israel's getting close to their confession. You got it. You put it all together. (laughs) See, I knew the math was going to work for you. (laughs) So what Peter was doing is trying to get people ready for that confession, Mm -hmm. that they would actually make it and join the group before Israel nationally was completely destroyed again. Okay. Because remember we talked about they were carried captive by Nebuchadnezzar, 
into Babylon, Mm -hmm. and that's where Daniel makes his confession. But ultimately, many years later, actually 483 years later, after they rejected Jesus as Messiah and crucified him, then after that, they were scattered again, and that's where we find them now. Okay. So there wasn't a nation Israel for I don't know how long until like 1948 when they were declared to be the nation Israel again through an action of the UN after World War II. Wow. Right? So when you think about it, at least 1,948 years or in that range, Mm -hmm. they weren't ever, there was no Israel. It did not exist. They were destroyed by the Roman general Titus in 70 AD, Mm -hmm. which is 70 years after Jesus was born. And that, that was the last battle that took place where the Roman Empire conquered Israel, burned the city to the ground, destroyed the temple, and scattered them abroad. There was no nation left. And there was never a nation again until 1948. And whoever the nation is right now that calls itself Israel may or may not be the Israel that's going to make their confession. You know, a lot of Christians hope that they are and that they will be, but... God has a way of surprising us. Oh, I mean, I am very surprised. (laughs) So that may be just sort of like a distraction or like, you know, you have the magicians watch my hand over here and it's the left hand doing the trick. Oh, I know. So that could be that. Okay. We don't know. But if we go to 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to read what Peter said about this group of people. Because remember, we just read in Hosea, you're not my people, but you will be. Again, there's that hope we talked mm-hmm. about. So Peter refers to that hope in 1 Peter chapter 2 in his letter and verse 9. And he's writing to the people that believed his message, which were also Jewish in the first century. And he says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Now, royal, what does that mean? The Levites that served as priests under the law of Moses weren't royal, in fact, there wasn't even a king in Israel until Saul. Mm-hmm. They, they were judged by judges for centuries before they cried and said, we want a king. <laughs> <laughs> and God said, why do you want a king? We want to be like the other nations. You know, it was that always leaning towards their idolatry, mm-hmm. right? So anyway, he gave them the king. But um, if you're a royal priesthood, that means you have royal lineage. Like you must be part of the king. Well, there's only one king that would matter to the Bible, Jesus. Yes. So if they're a royal priesthood, they're not under the law of Moses. They're under the new law, Mm -hmm. Jesus's law, the New Testament. Okay. Okay. He says, and holy nation. Now that right there ought to tell tell people, you know, if you would just read that and believe it means what it says, a holy nation, not like America. He's not talking about America. America didn't exist. No. You know, so this chosen generation that's called a royal priesthood and an holy nation is Israel. Okay. God's true Israel. Okay. And then he says, a peculiar people. Now we use the word peculiar and we mean, you're strange. Yes. (laughs) That child is peculiar. (laughs) You know? So different. He's a little odd. Uh, But peculiar in the Bible means special, you know? So it should be a compliment. (laughs) Depends on how you use the word special. Right. That's true. That's true. You got a good point. (laughs) Well, Paul even refers to believers in Christ as a peculiar treasure. You know, so it's a special treasure. Well, because you're bought with a price. You know, God paid for you with his blood. 
the blood of Jesus. That's right. So you are a treasure to him. Okay. So you see what I mean? So that God valued the world so much that he gave his only begotten son who died to pay for the sins of the world so we could come to God because we got separated from God when Adam sinned. We did. So Jesus is the mechanism to bring this and this back together, mm-hmm. God and man, right? Which is what that painting is all about. If you In my office, we have a picture that da Vinci painted, and it's on the, I mean, excuse me, Michelangelo painted, that is on the top of the Sistine Chapel. And it's supposed to represent God's hand and man's hand. Adam is trying to touch God, but there's space between them. You see that? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's God reaching down to man, man's on the right, and they're not quite connecting. No. They lost that communion when sin entered in. Jesus bridges the gap, see Okay. Right. Okay. So anyway, this peculiar people, and he said, you're called, you're chosen, that you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So you can see everything about this is applying to Israel. Yes. And Peter preached to Israel. See, so we can make spiritual applications all day long if you want to and apply it as, yeah, we're a people of God too. And we are in a different sense. We're children of God, literally by adoption. Mm-hmm. He adopted us through Jesus Christ. Well, Israel has got the same adoption, but they're going to be his nation. No other nation is called of God. Only Israel is called of God. Okay. okay? And that brings us to Romans chapter 11 which is a mystery that Paul the Apostle revealed about Israel, that if we can ever come to grips with understanding this mystery, then the prophecy makes sense. The Daniel 70 weeks, which we've barely even started because we're given all this background, right? Yes. So Romans chapter 11, verse 25 says, For I would not, brethren, and he's writing to Gentiles here, The Romans were Gentiles. So he says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness, in part, is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Now, we're going to actually talk about that mystery in another podcast, okay? And the fullness of the Gentiles, but it has to do with this 2,000-year gap. Okay. We'll get to that another time. But then when it is fulfilled, this blindness is going to be lifted. And it says in verse 26, And so all Israel shall be saved as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer, which is Jesus, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. So the nation's sins are not going to be taken away until the deliverer comes out of Zion. And that's Jesus. The nation's sins are not going to be forgiven until Israel makes their confession and the deliverer comes out of Zion. Okay. And they're not going to make their confession until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. So it all adds up. It all mounts to the same thing. So we've been living in a time of a mystery where Israel has been blinded because they couldn't see the truth about Jesus. When they finally do, it's going to turn everything around. Okay. It's going to bring about a confession. It's going to bring about a uh, change in the world. Mm -hmm. And remember those cataclysmic things we talked about in Isaiah 24? 
They won't start yes. until Israel makes their confession. Okay. Okay. So to summarize it, in Daniel's confession, Daniel is a picture of Israel in captivity as they are now scattered among the world. There are Jews in Israel right now, but the, all Jews don't live in Israel. Okay. There's Jews in every nation right now. Very you know? true. Yeah. He, he acknowledges the sins of Israel, Daniel does in his confession, and he makes his confession in affliction. He's in captivity. He's under rule of the Persian Empire at this time. Mm -hmm. God turns his face toward Daniel to hearken unto him, to listen, because he made the confession, and an angel is sent to him to minister the truth, which, which we're going to get to. And that's an indication of how this is when, when is God going to turn his face back to Israel? Once they make their confession, then they get their prince back, Michael, who's okay. going to protect them again, fight their battles. And when nations go against the nation Israel, God stops it like miraculously, mm -hmm. okay, like he did back in the past. Remember how they were in the land taking over uh, from the Canaanites? Yes. And they were exterminating giants? Mm -hmm. How does a man beat a giant? With God. With on God, his side. right? So <laughs> it's going to be like that again. Okay. So if that sounds like it piques your interest, it definitely does. Then we're going to delve into the 70 weeks now that we have a background and we're going to get into the actual timeline and see if we can figure out when is that confession going to be made. Okay. All right. So hopefully you'll want to tune in to hear this. Yes. Thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast every week. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. And also comment down below anything new that you learned in our podcast this week. I learned that Jose, no, Josiah and Jesus are the same name. Joshua. Joshua, sorry. Yeah. Joshua and Jesus are the same. But name. Josiah is probably just a derivative of Joshua. That probably you know, is true. it's probably the same kind of thing because we we get names like Joe, Joey, Joseph, mm -hmm. right? You know what I mean? So it's it, they did that back then too. Right. <laughs> that <laughs> so was something new I learned. We learned a lot about names today. We did. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here, Zena, and we thank you for listening as always. Oh, by the way, we're over eight thousand subscribers. What what? Keep subscribing, guys. <laughs> so we thank you all for your support, and you take care. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at UTBNow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.